When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just like that, the second hour is here. Hot Mike with Heather Withrow across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location, with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, first hour, flew by. Flew by. Got John McClain coming up in 20 minutes. Always great NFL discussion. Hutton, um, Black Friday football for the NFL. Yeah. Not a huge hit. 9.6 million, which is a, a decent number. But that oh. would be the low. That's lower than any Thursday primetime game of the year. million was Jags Saints on Prime Video on Thursday night. Okay. So the Friday afternoon specialty Black Friday game. Not a huge hit by NFL standards, which is lofty in year one. Yeah. There are networks that would kill for that that number, right? I wonder what – there's a couple of thoughts. The the 10 million that tuned in, right? How long do they stick with it? And the second thing that comes to mind for me is – what was the translation from that to the Amazon Prime deals that they were pushing? You know, the ads. And it's not even about pushing to Amazon. It is, but you also have advertisers who want to put their Black Friday deals out, you know, with a QR code or whatever. That's where they're going to really make their money, and they certainly have to because of the billions that they're going to end up paying for this. But I think it's more... I'm interested to see how they tweak this. Um, first, I, they've got to, at some point you have to get in whoever's ear is, is whoever's talking. All they did is talk about this is the first ever we're making history, the Black Friday game. Like, okay, say it once, say it twice, and then stop. That was, yeah. we were inundated with that. I like the idea of the Black Friday game. The NFL owns another day. And by and large, I don't know of many guys that are going Black Friday shopping. Right? So I think, what are they doing? They're looking for a reason to watch some ball on a day that they're off. It makes a lot of sense. Now it's got to translate to where we're headed and how they adjust to what worked and what didn't work. Because watching the broadcast, I, I did think it was a, a well-done broadcast. I just don't know how many people wanted to tune in and watch that game, watch Tim Boyle play quarterback. Yeah, I mean, one of the more interesting parts of the game was when Al Michaels claimed that um, Mike McDaniel uh, stole his uh, soon-to-be wife or wife at the time from one of his players, Yeah, which McDaniel, uh, in a funny way, had to (laughs) say that's not exactly how it went. He said the skeleton of the story is correct, but what actually happened was they talked for like 45 seconds, and I jokingly said, stop dancing with her, and then I met her, and she later became my wife to this day. And a mother of their children, so um, that part was good. And if you haven't the watched game the game itself, was was bad. Yeah, yeah, but it was it was of the four games, it was the worst game on the slate. Yeah, I think it would be better at, on a Friday night. Uh, that I don't may know may sound counterintuitive on a holiday weekend to have a night game like that, but I, I think it may do better there. So if we're just spitballing here, I, I think more people are just eating leftovers and hanging out and being fat. In the afternoon, looking for a reason. I found myself watching. I'm trying to think of what 
there were multiple college games on at that time. I want to say it was Missouri, Arkansas, and maybe Tulane, UT San Antonio. I found myself watching more of that. I did tune to the Prime Video broadcast to see those ads. Yeah. And it was really just the first one was the one that was interactive where you click on the screen or there's a barcode on the screen and you get specialty offers through whatever company it was advertising to start it. Then it went into more traditional ads after that. So just the games that were on Friday in, in up against it? I mean, you tell me where they were slotted here. I didn't tune into Oregon, who you know, won 31-7. Penn State blew out Michigan State. Uh, Texas won 57 That was at night on NBC. Uh, that's right. Uh, Missouri over Arkansas, 48-14. You mentioned Tulane winning over UTSA. That was a tight window game. Yeah, then, the best game was the early one yeah. uh, between Iowa. It was a CBS game between yeah. Iowa and Nebraska. And for, for our purposes, Davey was taking the over. We took the under, or at least I did. I took the over with Davey. I, I'm not listening to Davey anymore. He's, he's given me three oh, different no, – no, no. uh, he's given advice three times, uh, uh, and they've by, all been wrong. By this point – And Davey, and this is coming from here. a guy who's 0-12 in hey, the wrong team favorite game. I get it. Just take the under with Iowa. Or, or for that matter, any football game right now. It was now. a trap. Were you All being right. serious, Davey, that yes, you were going to hammer money. the over again? I lost money on it. It, it, it got was down at 27, then it went to where? I got it at 25. <laughs> and you and, did another you, bet. You said and you took over. the over. Well, it was 26 and the other one. Then it got okay. down to 25. Like, I'm taking the over again. Yeah, right. Uh, there were two blocked field goals in that one. If the game goes to overtime, we're likely winning. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. But think about how many people bet the under to get people to – for them to drop and adjust that line to 25. Yeah, I may have been enjoying an old-fashioned or two at the time when I got that text from Davey, but I did hammer uh, the over when I saw that. Surely like, you know, Davey, I, I really like Davey. He may be onto something here, and I, I hammered the over also with him and lost. And Nebraska threw an interception with roughly 15 seconds left that set Iowa up in field goal range. That was bad. To hit the game winner. That, so if that, that doesn't happen. Good. That's the life of a Cornhusker fan right now. That is it? where I uttered the line to my wife, the Nebraska fan. I said, I, I, I physically feel bad for you and everyone who cheers for this team and this program. It, it got to the point where I, I was physically upset watching Nebraska being invested in that game and knowing how they lost so many games just that way this year. The over and she's under. completely numb to it. She's like, yeah, this is what we expect. The over-under for Michigan-Iowa is 34.5. For perspective, Georgia-Alabama is 54.5. Oklahoma State-Texas, 55.5. Oregon-Washington, 66.5. I think that 34 number, too, Hutton, 34.5, is Vegas thinking that it's going to be 35 nothing or around that yeah. Michigan. That's with no points expected by Iowa. Yeah, I'm not touching it. They're expecting a shutout or three points <laughs> from Iowa, the and then you know, 31-35, somewhere in that that line from from Michigan. That's how bad it is. Hey, uh, we talked about it, but Deion Sanders and Colorado lost those two quarterbacks. Yes, in the last couple of days, I may know why now. Okay, uh, this coming down right now from Pete Thamel, San Diego State is going to hire Colorado offensive coordinator Sean Lewis as the school's next coach. Uh, if you remember, Lewis did a very good job at Kent State. High-powered offense is there. Offense was the, one of the bright spots for Colorado for a stretch during this season. And didn't he remove him as the play caller late in the year? Uh, yes. Dion? Yes. And uh, I think uh, that probably led to him bolting for – that's a good, good job, too. He's just yep. moving further west. He went from Kent State to Colorado. Now he's in San Diego at San Diego State. And um, – it's interesting he left the head coaching job there. Was it Shermer, Pat Shermer, that he 
that I think he elevated his play yeah, caller? Yes, they, before the final three games, I yeah. believe, is what they did. I think there was a lot of um, a lot of problems between Lewis and Deion Sanders. Butting of heads. Not but the he only coach to leave, game. I don't believe, uh, so far. Um, Deion, uh, some of that instability, though, could have led to losing the two quarterbacks in back-to-back yes, days. Sure. Um, so, we've mentioned this throughout the season. By, I can't really point to Deion Sanders um, sounding like he's a first-time Power 5 head coach who doesn't have the, the head on his shoulders and doesn't say the right thing or... Uh, if, if you don't believe it's the right thing, it's perspective and he gives thought to it and it's different and it's uh, refreshing to hear him at a podium. Uh, he's old school. I love that. What he's doing whenever he's discussing last week, hey, we're not going to be an ATM here at Colorado. Well, Chad, don't you believe it's because they can't be? That's why he's asking for more donations, saying we can't compete unless we raise more funds. And if you think about it, he's taking a page out of Nick Saban's playbook here. Because Saban's also said, we're just not going to pay kids to come to Bama just because they're demanding a certain number. That's not going to happen. You're going to have to earn it. And you think Alabama's not doing that anyway? It's a perception, not a reality. And I think with the comments that he's making about wanting to raise more money or we can't compete at the level we need to with the others to the Colorado fan base... That's perception for them. The perception for the players is you got to go through prime time if you want the NIL and you want to raise your stock once you get on campus. Am I wrong? No. You know, his line is, you know, if you if you play good, they pay good, is what he right. says. And he said that in his response about we're not going to be an ATM. He said, but if you come here and you perform, you're going you're gonna to get NIL money. You're going to get paid We'll that handle way. the business later. Is now now he's understanding he's losing recruits. They have eight guys committed. In this class of 2024, that's about to have their first signing day in a couple weeks, uh, which is crazy low numbers. It is not going well, recruiting-wise, for Deion Sanders, which does surprise me. Deion's sort of a walking contradiction in a lot of ways. He is refreshingly old school in his approach in a bunch of ways. Now, he's also a guy that will be very new school in certain things that he says. He kind of contradicts himself left and right. Over the weekend... I watched Bye Bye Barry, the documentary about Barry Sanders on Prime Video. Terrific. Highly recommend. But Deion Sanders and Barry Sanders went in the same draft class. Um, I think it was, yeah, Detroit passed on Deion and took Barry Sanders. And Deion, on camera, on draft day, said something like, and I started thinking about all this stuff going on. He said something like, if Detroit drafted me, I'm so glad they passed on me. Because if the city of Detroit drafted me, I would have made them go broke with how much I would have demanded in pay to go play for the Detroit Lions before he ever played a snap in the NFL. He said that when he was drafted by the Falcons. And I'm thinking, here's a guy saying that while it's also a guy that just got done saying, but we're not going to be an ATM for these kids. And then a few days later says, "Uh, we need more money. We need more money from the boosters if we're going to compete at the highest level. Here's the other thing about Deion Sanders. He's figuring this out as he goes. I really do. I think some of this is just ignorance. I don't think he fully understands the game that he's playing right now at this level. And he's going to learn it. He's not dumb. Yeah. He's going to figure it out. But I think some of this, Hutton, is just trial and error well, for, a, for a new coach at the Power Five level in year one where he says some things in an honest response 
to how he's actually feeling and then figures out later, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said it that way because this is actually reality of of what we need. Yeah, here. and I, I that's all that's fair. I, I think, too, the ATM, you know, we're not going to be an ATM. It's not going to happen here if you come to Colorado to play football. For me and, and the Buffaloes, it's because you really want to play football and receive a wonderful education. And he goes, we're not ATM. You're not coming here to get rich unless you're really good and you're coming here with a plan to get to the NFL. And we'll handle the business once you get on campus. You could be in an Affleck commercial with him, right? You could raise that stock. I think, though, the perception and how he's learning as he goes, Chad, I think a, a, some of this is based on how, I won't say easy, but he was the one coach who can pick up and leave a program and everyone's following him last year, right? Anyone that he really wanted. Anyone that he really wanted to keep in the top, some of the top recruits, period. At, at Jackson State, yes. Well, but he was still getting, you know, Travis Hunter, for instance. And Shadur Sanders is absolutely a power five quarterback. And Sanders is going with him. I understand that. But even the offensive lineman, that's what, a four-star that was not allowed to play based on transfer eligibility. He should be able to. He wasn't by the NCAA. He also came, and he's still there, to my knowledge, uh, waiting out his year. Chad, I think it was so much easier last year compared to this comment now where he's saying, it's unfortunate to say this, but some kids cost. And I'll skip ahead a bit. He goes, if you start thinking about the top several teams in the country, I see what was spent on assembling the teams. He's now competing against the top teams in the country. He wasn't doing that a year ago. So he's not having to go to, you know, have the cash withdrawal. And at Colorado, that's going to be the reason why he won't stay. That's the reason. He's going to go to the next level that will provide that. And he's not going to have to really handle the negotiations of it. That's the difference between Colorado and the, the cash flow and what he could do at the teams he's referencing, the top several teams in the country. Um, ultimately, that's what it's going to come down to. And it also, he's not going to transfer until, or, sorry, he's not going to go to another job until his son is done playing he won't be able to transfer again. But beyond that, I don't think he's long-term at Colorado just based on this alone because he's not going to sit around and wait on this if he doesn't have the financial support. And they're making, they made a ton of money off the first, what, three weeks. We went through the financials of all this. Um, I, I am surprised that he's done so poorly in recruiting this year. And it may all change. They may get the top transfer recruits in the country, and we're looking at this and saying, man, that they've revamped the entire roster. Can but that right also, now – I don't see any way they're good next year either. Well, can that, can that the perception of that also for me is that's also not a long-term play. If he's just going back to the portal for another quick no, fix, I, right? I, I've said this throughout. Like he, his whole thing about, well, you know, we're, the real answer is we go replace these offensive linemen. Right. And we get them out and get new guys in. And I'm thinking, I mean, I like the honesty, Dion, but that's not the way to go about it. You're going to need some of these guys to develop and get stronger over the offseason and come back. You can't completely turn over offensive lines year after year and be successful. It's never happened before. You've got to have some high school recruiting. You've got to have some development within your program while also spot-adding guys out of the portal. He's not figured out that formula yet. I'm not saying that he's got to figure it out in year one, but didn't work this year. They got off to a hot start, but in the end, I think they're a half game over. They're over-under. 
uh, for right. the season. I think it was three and a half. They won four games. Okay. They need to be better next year. I don't see where they're going to be a lot better next year right now. Now, transfer portal is opening up. They are going to add guys. They will get high school kids also. They're going to add some guys there. But right now, I'm, I'm not seeing it. And that surprises and, me based on the start with Deion Sanders and what we saw back in September. And I think a lot too, Chad. He hired a lot of good coaches, football coaches. I don't know how many solid recruiters he hired. That's a right? good point. And he's going to be replacing his offensive line coach too because he came from Kent State as well. My guess is... He's going to go with uh, Sean Lewis to San Diego State. uh, Again, I I haven't seen that. That would be my my guess. Um, So a lot of changes there. And I think he's going to have to really... I mean, he really shouldn't have to go around door-to-door and do that. Ask for donations. The donations were pouring in. So how much of that now goes to... Who's their big money back? It's also who's the, who's the quote unquote team owner. It's a difficult game to play publicly. Ask Mark Stoops at Kentucky, who started publicly petitioning for more money. And how many collectors. of those? It's tough to get into that. How many of his uh, just the businesses like Affleck and others will help him? You know I what know. I mean. John McClain joins us next NFL discussion. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sixth and Peabody, our location with the hot beer and old smoky moonshine. Hot Mike with that and with our rolls on. About to be joined by John McClain talking some uh, NFL headlines. We'll get his take on Frank Reich, who's been now fired midseason in consecutive years. Um, hard to do. Hard to do. And he's done it with two owners that were just fed up with what was going on internally, where what a mess. For Bryce Young, who had two different play callers this year. Can we be done with Frank Reich as a head coach? He says he's done. He says he's done. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, He seems like a very good, nice man. uh, Yes. And I'm all for him getting a job as an offensive coordinator or quarterback's coach or whatever if he wants to keep coaching. But the retreads in pro sports coaching in general, this could be MLB, NHL, NBA, NFL, it becomes so tiresome. And we've seen enough of Frank Reich at this point as a head coach. And people can blame David Tepper, and I get it. He seems like uh, pretty emotional and a bit of a hothead when it comes to coaching decisions. He acts rash a lot of the times when it comes to coaching decisions. So I get some blame going to Tepper, but some blame to go to Frank Reich in all of this also now with two different jobs that he's lost midseason. Yeah, I mean, he he didn't – I mean, he started with one play-calling situation, flipped it, offense is awful – Offensive line is horrible. You can say that about a lot of teams. That one was pathetic. Still is. And, you know, Tepper's wanted the franchise quarterback. You know, he was trying to – they were trying to lure Aaron Rodgers. They were throwing that out there, right? Um, you've had some other situations where you're trying to get the quarterback to come to you. That didn't happen. 
and they end up trading up and getting their QB. Now, should you go with Stroud? Looking at what we've seen, yes. But when you hire Frank Reich, Chad, you're turning things over to the former NFL quarterback, the first quarterback for the Carolina Panthers franchise, and the head coach that you're going to have mentor the young QB in the first contract, so to speak. And he wanted Bryce Young. You hired him to make that decision. And you got to trust your football guys to make football yeah. decisions. And, and Tepper said it was pretty much universal that it, it was going to be Bryce Young. And it was known, everyone right? felt like, good about it. Yeah. There wasn't, we didn't have that debate that we had a couple years back about, oh, so you had uh, uh, San Francisco trade up to three, remember? It was going to be yeah. Mac Jones. Who was it going to end up being? Uh, Trey Lance. There was no debate about what was going to happen uh, with Bryce Young. The hope one. with Bryce Young is that he's Trevor Lawrence under Urban Meyer. And that this first year, you can just wash away right. and say bad coaching, bad situation, bad offensive line. And you start anew next year. And he starts to look more like C.J. Stroud did in year one in year two. That's the hope with Bryce Young. And I'm, I still believe that he's going to be good. And I still think he can do that and look a lot more like C.J. Stroud in year two because he still has those flashes of the Bryce Young we saw at Alabama that he just makes things happen when nothing's going on. Uh, We saw it a few times this Sunday against the Titans. I've seen it a few times throughout this season. It's just not – it's few and far between. It's not enough. He's not been good, but he's got terrible uh, players around him, terrible infrastructure. The hope is with a new coach, offensive-minded coach – it's going to get better for him the way it was for C.J. Stroud in year one with the Texans. So the bloom is off the rose for Joshua Dobbs. That fast? I, I, I'm not buying it from that, from that reaction. because uh, it, He wasn't it, it, terrible against Denver in the loss before no, either. No. He, he kept it was. Running. I mean, what I'm seeing is more of the, um, the obituary. It's like, oh, it was fun. The last three weeks have been amazing. And now we see the, uh, all the hype crash down. They're 6-6. Six and six. No margin for error now for Minnesota. But, Chad, based on what we've seen Dobbs do within this offense, why can't... And by the way, Justin Jefferson has now been elevated off of injured reserve. He's coming off injured reserve today. Why can't we see Minnesota pick back up after winning five straight? And is it a bad loss? It's an awful loss to Chicago. But why can't we see Dobbs get back to more of what he was, not what he was last night. I, I, I think it, far too often, just the initial reaction of good, bad, great, awful. It, he's not elite. Let's, let's just let's use the uh, discussion point uh, that we've you know, seen about uh, Brock Purdy. He's not yeah. No one's claiming Brock Purdy is elite. Well, it, it's, good, it's good to have perspective. Is, too. Dobbs can be good. Yeah, and it's good to have perspective here, too. Uh, good is a, is a good word to describe it. This is a team that only beat Chicago 19-13 to with Kirk Cousins as quarterback. So it's not like anybody expected them to blow out the Bears right. at home. Okay? He had four interceptions. That's terrible. All right? He's never had more than two in his career in college or the NFL up until that point. He had a really bad night, and he was turnover prone, and his defense bailed him out a bunch. But when they needed a drive, he came up with a drive, and he came up with a big pass from 20 yards out to give the Vikings the lead at one point. Now, this was after he throws it a little too far out of bounds for Jordan yeah. Addison where he's wide open, but still, he came up with that drive. Hutton, I think I feel a lot differently about this if that drive doesn't happen. Okay. 
Like if they lose twelve to three, because that okay. and that touchdown drive to take the lead with I think five fifty four left in the game never happens. I'm feeling a lot different about Dobbs, but they lose twenty one to twenty in the closing seconds against Denver. They lose twelve to ten at home to the Bears. Bad loss, no doubt about it. The Denver loss looks better and better the way the Broncos have been playing as of late. They get a bye week now. Josh Dobbs has not been able to settle in. Uh, he described it as, it's like jumping on a speeding train. There's not been a chance to catch his breath. He gets an opportunity now to have a bye week, get more in line with the, the complete offense, get more in line with his his teammates. Yes. And then it's Vegas with Aiden O'Connell at quarterback. It's Cincinnati with Jake Browning at quarterback. And Justin Jefferson back. Justin Jefferson back. They get Green Bay. They get two against Detroit. Not going to be easy. But look, they could lose these games. These are winnable games. I could very easily see them on Christmas Eve playing the Lions at 8-6 and six and being right there in the playoff hunt still. And when this all started, even when he won his first two games, what did I say? I said, I want to see Josh Dobbs over the holidays with a chance in the last two or three games to play the Vikings into the playoffs. Yes. I still see that being the case. I think they win the next two, given this this week off they're about to have with Justin Jefferson coming back after the bye week. I think the offense gets better. One thing I'd like to see Kevin O'Connell, I think is a, a really good coach and done a good job in all this. I agree. They need to get him out of the pocket more. I saw twice all night where they had design rollout plays for him. There needs to be more run-pass option where he's getting outside of the pocket. I, I need to see more of that with Dobbs instead of just straight drop back. It was saw that a little bit too much last night for a guy who was struggling, but also that Vikings offensive line struggled to block the bears all night. There was a lot of pressure on Josh Dobbs from the start. Chad, how about this, uh, a couple of college football headlines here? Um, Arkansas vetting Bobby Petrino. How about that headline? To return to Arkansas as the offensive coordinator, uh, as a candidate. He's considered right now a candidate. This isn't getting out there unless they want him to be that guy. Um, one year now at Texas A&M is enough to say, hey, come back to Arkansas, Bobby, and don't bring the neck brace when you do. Um, he's there from, was it three years he was there? Right before he bolted for Atlanta? He did a good job there, too. It was, I mean, he won twice as many games as he lost there, I believe. With the Razorbacks, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he was let go. Um, I thought this was an onions headline. The onion headline I, I, I when agree. I first saw it. Uh, let go of accusations check. of the inappropriate relationship with a, a staffer, and then you know he ends up trying to revitalize his career as uh, the offensive mind, and now he could be back at again. This can be a great spot. However, you know what I think of when I think of this? How much we were discussing Sam Pittman keeping his job this year? Oh, would the, they the go year. back to Would they go back to Petrino? No, next year. I mean, it does give the them the ability to do it. I, I just are they setting? Like, I'm not I saying mean, they're they're thinking about. I'm saying they they definitely considered what are we doing with the future of Sam Pittman as our head coach? And I, I'm raising my hand and saying he is perfect for it, that program. It's interesting, but, but this would be a, a really really good spot to head down if you're just wanting straight offense and it's for Arkansas's purposes. He sucked at A&M this year. Yes. <laughs> got to keep that in mind too. Under a coach um, that didn't want to give up play calling. I yeah. mean, it, it had to be awkward. Yeah, he, he did though. Uh, they, they gave it up to him. He, he was not now granted. He lost his starting quarterback. Yep. Got to factor that in too, but not good. 
Um, he was not good in the second go-around at Louisville when they brought him back. Um, I think Arkansas can do better than Bobby Petrino at this stage of his career to bring back. It's one thing to talk about Mississippi State bringing back Dan Mullen, who was nothing but successful at Mississippi State, went to a bigger job, wasn't successful, got fired. Now you bring him back. Bobby Petrino was successful at Arkansas, yep. but then went on to not be successful at Louisville, not be successful at other stops. Bringing him back as offensive coordinator, I, I don't. I think it's a bad move. I think they, they could do better well, with that move. That's one thing. Trying to bring him back to be the possible successor for Sam Pittman, I think Arkansas can do a lot better than that than Bobby Petrino round two uh, for a head coach. They can also, but they've also done worse than Bobby Petrino after after round one, right? Like that's the other thing is we saw that one flash of Pittman. And what, four and eight this year, I believe? Not competitive. Uh, in some games, yes, but uh, by and large, not competitive. Um, and I, 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 I'm not saying they're setting it up if they're bringing him in for him to eventually be the interim. I'm, I'm not saying they're thinking they absolutely are adding that option. And there's no question that Pittman, you think Pittman wants this? I don't know. There's, there I, have to be Arkansas, uh, they have to be boosters, there have to be. Friends of the program who are making this happen. I can't imagine Sam it's Pittman so wanting weird. to do this. It's such a weird move. And maybe there are boosters into it. I, got, I have to go back and him? look at Sam Pittman's past because I feel like him and Petrino would have been on the same staff at some point together. So there may actually be a personal okay. relationship with those two. Pittman may have been his offensive line coach when he was there because Pittman, remember, okay. returned to Arkansas – so this could be a buddy of his that he's bringing back. Okay, but that's the case. I'd have to go back and look at that. But He's also got to hit on this hire or he's going to be fired. Oh, of course. He should have been fired this year. He knows that. Yeah. I mean, he was in trouble this year the way and, he was talking. So yes. he knows this is the big one. This is the route I would have gone. Not, not Bobby Petrino. Go find some 29, 30-year-old guy who's coaching at a group of five school as a quarterback coach or offensive coordinator, as a play caller that's doing big things there, go find the next Division II stud that's head coach of a school there that wants to go into the big time, that can call plays, bring in someone that not many people know a ton about and hand over the offense to them and try to do something different and see if that kickstarts your program and gives you some energy. So you're saying like roll the dice. Bring back the former head coach that left in disgrace, fired, uh, is a weird move to me for Arkansas. Just strange all the way around. But it's it's going with what you know instead of what you don't know in a year where you've got to get it right. That's that that's if it's Pittman making that decision. And I can't imagine as old school as he is, he wouldn't he wouldn't stick around if he's being told that he's being paired. However, I mean he's four and eight, and he we, may have we thought he was all the job. Gone. We've seen coaches do that. We've also seen coaches not do that, and they were fired. So. Yeah, and it's well in, in the day and age of buyouts, some coaches may want to get fired instead That's of doing fair. any of that. It's like, okay, yeah, pay me to walk away. I'd, I'd rather do that instead. Isn't it interesting though? Like, that, I, it's sad we have to question uh, the desire to keep one's job when it comes to coaching and not get fired. But that's kind of where we are in certain situations because agents have completely steamrolled athletic directors with buyouts I mean, and, I, and contracts. Yes, and I, I think by and large, Chad, to just to pick up there, I think that's why we're seeing worse coaching. I think a lot of Coaching staffs are awful. They're, you still have the cream of the crop. But a lot of coaching staffs, I mean, you're paid to fail. Well, Do you, 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 were, do you know who's about to have a really good coaching staff? A&M. Why? They have $11 million in an assistant coaching salary pool. Right. 
I mean, you can go get a three, four million dollar coordinator on offense if you want. But the biggest name out there you could go get because that's a lot of money for assistant coaches. But if you start thinking about the resumes, it is crazy how much guys are getting paid for doing nothing. Oh yeah, like, it, just okay. What's what's on? What's what was the top Eli Drinkwitz resume as a mid-tier SEC head coach when he got the bonus and the bump last offseason? Now this offseason he'll get another one. Yep. Uh, Shane Beamer, be glad that he got his bump last year. Certainly wasn't going to happen now. Yeah, he's playing for a seven and five season or getting fired next year now. And he's making seven million plus. Lane Kiffin hasn't won a big game. He's yep. making nine Mike over Elko nine got seven over million. nine million exactly to to start in the SEC. And a, you know a, the internal decision at A and M wasn't even Elko. It was Stoops who gets bonus based on six wins or did, and then he got another big bump last offseason. Like it, it, it's, I mean, it, you can go lower than that. Conference USA coaches have a $5 million buyout. That is crazy. And I think by and large, they know if they're five, the hot seat isn't as hot anymore because you know the parachute that you, you have and the, the bundle of cash that you'll have with you, guaranteed. It's not going to be Jimbo Fisher money, but I, I hate questioning your effort setup. and desire, but we're in a position now where it's fair to question effort and desire of coaches and players at times because of the money involved and sometimes the money to not coach. And you're not allowed to grow with a program. You've got two and a half, three years to do yep. it. Or headlines straight ahead next. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. We promised John McClain, and when we oh. promised John McClain, uh, if we have to go through a hellfire to get to him, we will. And oh. I think that's pretty much what our production and, crew and John just went through. Well, I was going to say, John will also do that for us, clearly. Yeah. He's proving that right now. John? I don't know. I probably would have given up. Yeah. If I were in John's shoes at some point. Yeah. That, it was a lot of work. I, I, could, I could hear what was going on. It felt like a lot of work. Did you nearly throw in the towel there? No, I never. I should, I'm assuming the problem's on my end since I'm so technically uh, – uh, I'm not a technical expert. Yeah, same. If it, doesn't, if it doesn't work, I don't know what to do, but fortunately you guys got a bunch of experts there. What, what kills me, John, is when you know you haven't changed a setting or anything – <laughs> and just magically, it's like, well, it worked last week. It worked the week before. Or a previous come and it's like, or someone else is in your spot. Like, I haven't touched anything, and it was yeah. working just fine, and now it's not. Like you, I'm really bad at troubleshooting at times through, through things I like do, that. I do three stream yards, three Zooms, and one, I don't even, StatCaster something, all on videos during the week regularly, so I can't keep up. John, we're, we – May not be able to keep up with all the coaching movement in the NFL by the time the season's over. Uh, Frank Reich out in Carolina and David Tepper not happy uh, after the performance here in Nashville on Sunday. Reich now has been fired midseason in consecutive years. He says he's done. He's not going to be efforting another job anytime soon. What, uh, what happened in this where it's not like Bryce Young's now going into a second play caller. He's been through two already. And I don't know how Wright got it wrong to this extent based on what we've seen in Carolina. And one of the things that's been bad for them has been the 
amazing progress that C.J. Stroud yeah. has made here because Stroud has been great. And uh, and I feel bad for Bryce Young. He may go to the Hall of Fame. You can't judge a quarterback's career through 11 games. Yes, they're the worst team in the league. It's not a good job. You got an owner who's the most trigger-happy in the NFL, not just NFL, but soccer. He's already fired two coaches in two years. They don't have their first-round pick. I think they gave up one, two, and three, and their uh, receiver, D.J. Moore, uh, to get Bryce Young. So it's going to be a bad situation to go into. They want Ben Johnson, the popular offensive coordinator of the Lions, because he's from North Carolina. If I'm Ben Johnson, I'm waiting to see if Brandon Staley gets fired so I can go coach Justin Herbert and all that talent they got with the Chargers. John, I, I want to, just while we're talking coaching movement, a lot of chatter about Belichick in New England, right? And whether or not a team would trade for him. I, I think a team would, because as far as the possible openings we could see, how many candidates are realistic right now uh, for, for owners that would make a move and then want to hire? I think Belichick would be uh, coveted just based on the fact it's tough to really come up with a long list. There's talented coordinators out there. Belichick will be 73 next year. He'd have to have total control as he is in New England. And he also, it would take him a while to get his kind of players and people in the building who understand, yeah. you know, he he's God when it comes right. to an organization. And so I don't see teams trying to get him. Maybe the Raiders, uh, but the Raiders are more likely to go after Jim Harbaugh. Maybe the Bears fire Matt Eberflus and go after Harbaugh. They're trying to get a new stadium. You know, you need a popular coach. You need money. Try to win to get a new stadium. So I don't think there's a big demand for Belichick. The more time goes on, the more we see the Patriot way was the Brady way because he hadn't done squat without Brady. Is there a surprise hot seat out there for you that you've heard that no one's really talking about? Well, if I've heard it, then it wouldn't be a surprise. But I was looking over the list uh, of coaches who could go, and there's going to be a lot. And there's a lot of people talking about Robert Sala because he's lost twice as many if he's won. But I don't think Woody Johnson's going to make a change with Sala or Joe Douglas, the GM, who has a terrible record since he's taken over because they put all their eggs in Aaron Rodgers' basket to come back next season at 40 and be able to uh, to do what they hoped he would do this year. We all think Brandon Staley's gone. We know Ron Rivera's gone. I can't imagine anything would happen to Brian Dable one season after he was coach of the year. I do believe strongly Belichick will be gone from New England. Their personnel has deteriorated. Their front office, everything about that franchise has deteriorated. And uh, But I, I'm looking around the league, and I don't see anybody else. But there will be somebody because there's always somebody who's a surprise head coach firing. It's maybe – It'll be a team that falters at the end or blows up early in the playoffs, and the owner will run out of patience. Dennis Allen, New Orleans, yes, I think is another candidate. Dennis, they're favored to win the division. It's like anybody but Carolina can win it, but you can win it with a losing record. I think Todd Bowles is gone in Tampa, but Dennis Allen was four and twelve in two years with the uh, Raiders, and he hadn't done squat with the Saints, and he should have been favored. To win that division, I could see him being gone too. And Arthur Smith, a guy some believe should be on the hot seat, 
is currently leading that division uh, with the tiebreaker, the NFC South, which is crazy. Uh, John, last night's game, Vikings, Josh Dobbs, bad performance, four interceptions. Have you officially given up on Dobbs' chances of having an improbable run to get this Vikings team into the playoffs, or do you think the bye week is going to help and the schedule is going to lighten up maybe a little bit, even though the Bears is a pretty light schedule marker for, for them? What do you think happens next with Dobbs and the Vikings? I think Josh Dobbs will bounce back. He'll have two weeks to get ready for the next game. They're still competitive. They were competitive in this game, but he lost. It was the worst game of his career, probably going back to high school. And uh, he's their best option. And that division, you, they're six and six. They got it. The schedule's not tough. They've got a chance to sneak in with a wild card. Although, watch the Packers. I just saw the Packers schedule, and it's, it is incredibly easy. If they play the way they did against Detroit, especially Jordan Love, the Packers could be back in the playoffs as well. I think Houston's getting in, John. I, their their schedule stacks up well uh, for them over the backstretch. You you've certainly uh, watched the the Texans take on the Jags. Um, how? Let me just start here. How bad was the officiating? I, I'm just watching social media at the Titans Panthers game, and all I saw from the national reporters watching this and the local media there bashing officials. How bad did they impact this game? Well, it was bad for both teams. Derek Stingley Jr. had an interception in which Jalen Petrie held a receiver blatantly. Yeah. They didn't call it. They had this this was interesting because this crew, according to Warren Sharp from Sharp Football Analysis, put out before the game the Texans are number one in the league in defensive pass interference. I mean number two. And the the Jaguars are number one at drawing defensive pass interference. And the crew has been in the top five, three of the last five years. And sure enough, Texans had three incompletions on third down, three, three calls of pass interference. They had another one where it's incomplete, and they called a holding. And uh, people here were going crazy. And then there was a play on the sideline, wide receiver Tank Dell. Uh, they said he was out of bounds. Replay said he was out of bounds. The stop action pictures that were all over the internet afterward show he was clearly inbounds. But I don't blame the officials for that one. But it wasn't just the officials, it was New York. But this is going on all across yes, the league. And I and I agree with everybody that wants a sky judge. Because for instance, when Jalen Petrie held a receiver and Stingley intercepted the pass and took it back and they had a touchdown drive, immediately he called the referee and say, number five, holding number 83. And then, boom, they throw the flag. It wouldn't take five seconds to do that, or you can wave things off. But it's been bad, and I think they are going to go to a sky judge. It's not a matter of if, but when. I know you have to feel great about your Ravens right now with your preseason pick uh, with, with how they're playing. They're the number one seed currently. Watching Jacksonville. Can Jacksonville be the number one seed in the AFC? They're 8-3 and three with the Chiefs and the Dolphins. Meanwhile, Baltimore at 9-3. and three. Uh, the Jaguars have been on a roll since the Texans beat them 37-17 in Jacksonville. But the Texans played a really bad game Sunday. They they gave up four pass plays of 42 or more yards, which was awful. They couldn't get close to Trevor Lawrence. They couldn't run the ball, and they could not protect uh, C.J. Stroud. But Stroud played great. Everything had to be thrown on the run. He, he was their leading rusher with 47 yards and a touchdown. And the Texans came within a few inches on a 58-yard field goal that hit the middle of the uh, 
a crossbar, and uh, and so that kept them a chance for tying it and going to overtime. So I've not seen the Jaguars play great in two games, but I'm going to say no. I'm thinking Baltimore, Kansas City, one of those teams is going to get home field advantage, not Jacksonville. So Pittsburgh fires Matt Canada, and lo and behold, they have a season high in yards, over 420 <laughs> yards, but they only score 16 points in a win over Cincinnati with Jake Browning at quarterback. So kind of a mixed bag there, John, but what do you think about the Steelers now that Matt Canada is not calling offensive plays? Well, you made a great point, Chad. Like they didn't score any more than they usually scored and didn't points that the reason you play the game, not piling up yards. And I know since the Pittsburgh fans were fired up because it's the most yards since 2018, but they got to, it kind of masked the same old problem scoring in a red zone. Kenny Pickett doesn't turn it over. That's great. Well, he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns either. They're capable of beating anybody and they're capable of losing to anybody. That's the first time they've had over 400 yards of offense in 59 games. Crazy. In Pittsburgh. That's 2018. Nuts. Nuts. Uh, we're about to find out about the Dallas Cowboys, John. They've got uh, Seattle on Thursday night. They have yet to beat a team uh, that currently has a winning record right now. They may have along the way, but currently the two teams that they face that have a winning record right now, they were blown out in a combined score of 70 to 30. What do you make of Dallas, John, and... Should we buy in? They've been talented back-to-back years of 12 wins. They run into San Francisco in the playoffs. They lose. What ultimately are you looking for from the Cowboys? Seahawks are going through a terrible stretch here. They ought to win this game. I wish I'd have thought of this. Somebody tweeted, and I retweeted it uh, after the Thanksgiving game, that if the Cowboys could just play bad teams at home in the playoffs, they're going to a Super Bowl. And I think they got to prove it. And, and we've talked about this before. They have clock management issues. And when they play big games and it comes down to the end, they have clock management issues, game management issues. They had them when they lost a close game to Philadelphia. You know, everybody's the big game they're going to shoot for is playing Philadelphia at AT&T Stadium. But they do play a better schedule here. And uh, they're capable of beating anybody, but they just can't beat somebody. And but there's plenty of time to do it. Everything you do at crunch time impacts the playoffs. And right now, Dak Prescott's playing great. Their offense is great. Defense is real good. But they still got to prove they beat somebody good. John, we've got time for 30 seconds on each of these games. Denver coming to Houston. Broncos on a roll with what they've done after starting one and five. Tell us about this matchup. They lead the league with 22 takeaways. They have given up eight touchdowns in their five-game winning streak after giving up 10 in one game against Miami, 16.5 points a game over the last six. I still think it'll come down to Russell Wilson and C.J. Stroud. Eagles are going through a gauntlet schedule. They continue to win. They host the Niners. This is going to be another great matchup. Great matchup, close game, NFC Championship game preview. It could be. I'm not picking against Philadelphia and the MVP in waiting, Jalen Hurts. Watch Brock Purdy go and win. Then we'll see all the <laughs> uh, all these uh, naysayers <laughs> after a three-game skid and what they have to say post-game. MVP. That's just kind of, uh, there you go. Now, this could also – this is also that type of battle, John. Hurts, he's the front-runner now. Well, they, if, if, if Purdy leads them to a victory, he's going to catapult up. Oh, yeah. And, deserved, and deservedly so. 
But Hurts, man, he's put that team on that offense on his back. He's run for touchdowns. He passes for touchdowns. Great regular season record. I think I saw they are the first Super Bowl winner to have this record. I mean, Super Bowl loser to have this record 11 games in since 1991 Bills. John, thanks for the troubleshooting. Always great perspective. We'll catch up next week. Guys, thank you very much as always. I look forward to Appreciate it. Appreciate your work, yeah, Alec John. That's thank right. you. SportsRadio610.com, at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Coming up, coaches on the hot seat in the NFL, and Schefter is saying there's going to be a lot of movement. 